Well, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul said that the new life that we receive in Christ puts to death behaviors obviously offensive to the Lord. And then it takes on traits that are consistent with who we are in Christ. And as we let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, we do everything to the glory of his name. And then he gives us specific examples here, does he not? Christian wives, don't be battling with your husbands, but come alongside them voluntarily redeeming the divine design the Lord gave in the beginning. A design that was marred by, by man's rebellion. You are going to restore that through Christ. And Christian husbands, you love your wives. Love them unconditionally so that their submission will be as is fitting in the Lord. Now, in many cases, the family also includes children. So he adds, you know, this is how the new life in Christ looks when children are involved. He's going to give a word to the children. Tatekna, obey, hupakuo, your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. This word tatekna, children, that's a general word for offspring of any age. So this is not limited to just small kids at home. This refers to anyone still living at home being provided for by their parents. When my girls went to college, I wanted them to do so from home for several reasons. Number one, it benefited me financially. I didn't want to pay for room and board. I couldn't afford to pay for room and board. And I didn't want them incurring a lot of educational debt. Plus, I wanted to know that they were safe and in bed every night. So to convince them that this was a good thing to live at home, I knew that was going to take some convincing. But to do that, I offered them the one thing I knew they wanted the most. What do you think it was? A car. They shared an old, old car that I had bought for them to start on. And it was full of dents. They put a lot of those dents on it. But the, the glue that holds the felt ceiling up had dry rotted, and so it was swooping down in the car. And I tied it with a rubber band around the light, and so it, it, it just had this uh, not a good look. They were so mortified to be driving that car. So here's the deal. You stay at home. And I'll find a way to pay your tuition so you will not graduate with any school debt. You've got to get a part-time job and maintain your grades. And then I will split the cost of leasing a nice car for you to drive. How's that? Well, they didn't have many other options. So they accepted the deal. The problem is they didn't like some of the rules that went with living at home. Especially curfews. You get off from work at the restaurant at 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, you still have to be home by midnight. Why? Because there's nothing good happening out there after midnight. And one of them said, well, this is absolutely awful. It's awful. My friends want me to go eat into the movies. I'm 20 years old, and I still have to say, no, I have a curfew. I said, I agree. That is absolutely horrible. If you were mature enough to come home on your own before 12 o'clock, you wouldn't have a curfew. She said, that's the same thing. I'm still home before 12 o'clock. I said, no, it's not the same thing. 
There's a big difference between being mature enough to do it on your own and needing me to give you a curfew. 20 years old, 21 years old. Tatekta. Tatekta. You're under my roof. You go by my rules. Now, my girls are still my girls, but they're married now and with children. I don't have to put curfews on them anymore. I get to watch them provide guidelines for my grandchildren. And I will confess this morning, the resistance that they get is somewhat enjoyable for me. I, I know I should not feel that way, but there does bring some pleasure in watching them reap the seeds that they sowed. But the point is this, tatekna is not limited to an age. If parents provide for you, obey. Hupa under kuo, listen. This word for obey means under the authority of your parents, you listen to them. You know, when the Lord reveals his holy will through his law, the first four commandments, no other God, don't you be making any graven images, taking my name in vain, and you remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. Those first four are vertical. The last five are horizontal. You don't do any murder, you don't commit adultery, you don't steal, you don't bear false witness, you don't commit, a, you, you, you don't covet. The one commandment that bridges the vertical with the Lord, with the horizontal that, that applies to man, that one commandment says, honor your father and your mother. Honor them. That your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. See, when the Lord led Israel out of Egypt, he said, this is how you, who are my people, this is how you will live. Fathers are to be the spiritual leaders in the home. And the, Levit the Levitical priesthood, they are to help prepare fathers for that task. They're to come alongside those guys and they are to disciple them so they will know how to bring up their family in the knowledge of the Lord. My will for you is that you honor those that I've given to you for that purpose. You honor your father, you honor your mother that I've made responsible for your spiritual well-being. You honor them by listening as they instruct you in my word. And you do that, and listen, life will go well for you in this land. Don't do that, and life can get really tough, really tough. Here's a good verse for your children to memorize. I know that you probably read the children's Bible to them every night before they go to sleep, and here is a good verse for them to memorize. Proverbs 30, verse 17. The eye that mocks a father, that scorns obedience to a mother, will be pecked out by the ravens of the valley, will be eaten by the vultures. Man, there's a verse for your three-year-old. Why? Why does Proverbs 30 say that? When a man died a violent death as a criminal in Israel, they tossed his body out to be eaten by the ravens of the valley, by the buzzards. You know why? It serves as a visual example to all of the nation. The path this man took, violating his fellow man, is an abomination before the Lord. And that kind of rebellious attitude in most cases, where did it begin? It began at home. 
as a young man, he was disrespectful to his parents. He refused to honor his mother, mother and his father. The priority in child rearing is to raise a godly child. It is not to raise your daughters to be pretty or to be talented. It is not to raise your boys to be great scholars or superb athletes. If the Lord gifts them to be such, there's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with enjoying those gifts. The point is those areas are not primary. You know, the Bible says of Absalom, you know who Absalom is, the, the son of King David. He's the son of the king. How does he die? He's hanging in a tree with three spears that have been run through his body. How did that happen? I mean, this is a handsome boy. This is a boy with tons of charisma. But he died. He died in rebellion to his father. And even though David, I mean, he'd run David out of town. He'd been sitting outside the gates of Jerusalem, convincing people he'd make a better king than his daddy. And it got so bad, his daddy left town, goes up into the Mount of Olives. And Absalom goes into rain. But his coup did not last And so David tells Joab, Joab happened to be David's nephew who was the commander of his army. He said, listen, don't kill my boy. Don't kill him, please. He's your cousin. And Joab runs three spears through him. Absalom's insurrection must be dealt with in a way that the whole nation sees that even the king's son is not exempt. And some of the saddest words in the Bible are from King David. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Second Samuel 18. Parents, whether your child is talented, good looking, athletic, smart, or maybe they struggle to walk and chew gum at the same time. It has absolutely nothing to do, nothing to do with the primary value of their life. And our objectives as Christian parents is to make sure that any gifts that the Lord gives them Maybe they are smart. Maybe they are cute. Maybe they are athletic. Maybe they are all those wonderful things. But it's our job to keep that in proper perspective so that we produce godly children who will know the Lord and will be obedient to his word because there is no amount of success that a child will have that can quench the pain of a wicked life. And on the flip side of that coin, there's no amount of trouble that your child will face that can quench the joy they will know if they walk in godliness. And so we've got to be real careful we don't get caught in the trap of making sure that, that our kid succeeds in all the peripheral areas of life at the cost of losing his own soul. 
You know, 25, 30 years ago, I had kids playing select soccer. They were cheerleading. They were on the all-star softball team. They were playing on AAU basketball team that won three state championships and went to five national tournaments. They played varsity sports in high school. But you know what? I never, even through all of that, I never once had to argue with any of them about priorities. I didn't have to go to their coach. They would tell their coach, we're available on Friday night, we're available on Saturday, we're available on Sunday after worship. But Sunday mornings we worship as a family. Now, this was back before there were online services available, which is making that easier to maintain those priorities and and um, so I think that parents today have, have somewhat more options than we had back then. But some of their coaches didn't like our priorities. They didn't like them. Those days are over. No more soccer for my girls. No more cheerleading. No more basketball for them. They are now parents who are passing on those priorities to their children. And I'm really grateful that I don't have to look back with regret saying, man, I wish my kid loved the Lord more than they love a trophy. And trust me, I enjoyed their ball playing days. I really enjoyed it. And I'm enjoying my grandkids playing ball too. But there is no success, none, that they will ever achieve on a ball field or in a classroom that could ever rival the life that they have in Christ. Now, lest you misunderstand, I was not a perfect parent. I made lots of mistakes. Unfortunately, my daughters are only too willing to point that out to you if you want to listen. But we've got to be careful, parents, that we don't house the chaff and burn the grain. You know what I mean by that? We've got to keep the main thing the main thing. We can't allow some teacher, some ball coach, some childhood friend make decisions that impact our child's relationship with the Lord. Look, if your kid does well in school, pat him on the back and say, way to go. If he does well in athletics, enjoy it. But make sure he learns what really matters is that he knows the Lord. That he honors him with his life. That he is honest and respectful and humble and repentant. Let him know you are never more proud of him than when he is obedient to God's word. And I've seen parents, maybe you have too, who will allow their kids to make decisions. <laughs> They'll allow the kid to make the decision. that sets them on a course that's not really in the best in, in, interest spiritually for their life. You know, but my friends, they, they are the ones that are, want to go here. My, my friends, they want to go and do this. My, my, my friends, I, I want to be a part of that, that, that social network. And parents get wore down and they give in. 
it might be in the realm of athletics, it might be in academics, it might be a social thing, but they, 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 they get wore down and their, their, their children convince them, well, we just need to be accepted by our friends. And, and this, at the time, doesn't seem like it's all that bad. Until later, until later, when you learn those decisions are now coming at a very high cost. When you see them reaping what you allowed them to sow, it can be very painful, very painful. I've had parents with tears in their eyes sit in my office and say, help me, please. Help me change the direction my child is going. Help me to undo what I've done the past 15 years. This command to obey your parents in all things is written to a church where parents have as a priority the desire to raise their children in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. This is not addressing children whose parents teach them to shoplift. This isn't being written to parents who are teaching their children foul language by the cursing they hear within the home. This is not being written to, to parents who, who have an attitude that the world owes you, so you go out there and claim what is yours. The Lord who is holy would never, would never command a wife to be submissive to a husband or a child to be obedient to a parent who is influencing them to do what is obviously wrong. Never. The context is this. You do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17. You submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Verse 18. You obey your parents. Listen to them in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. Verse 20. That's the context. Now this does not mean that the tatekna, the children, obey parents only when they think their parents are right. Parents do not have to be perfect to be obeyed. But any parent who would encourage their child at any age to do that which is clearly wrong is not to be obeyed. Because those kind of parents are not being addressed in the context of a church where Christ is their life. Verse 4. Who let the word of Christ dwell in them richly. Verse 16 who do everything, word and deed, in the name of the Lord Jesus, verse 17. That's the context. You know, going back to Proverbs 30, it says that there's a generation that curses fathers and does not bless their mothers. They are pure in their own eyes. In other words, they've got all the answers. All the answers. They're lofty. In their brilliance, they think they're hot stuff. They have teeth like swords and jaw teeth like knives. In other words, they're disrespectful in how they devour those around them with attitudes that verbally cut to the core. That's why among those the Lord has, has called to be his people, he says in Exodus 21, 17, whoever, here's another good verse for you to read tonight. Whoever curses his mother 
or his father shall be put to death. Let me ask you why. Why would a holy God address rank rebellion in the home to be a serious enough issue that it warrants a visual demonstration to the whole nation that is deserving of death? Why is that? Because rank rebellion at home eventually destroys the entire culture. Now, if you read the Exodus passage in context, and then you look at, at how he explains it later in the book of Deuteronomy, the second law, he makes it clear the Lord's not talking about five-year-olds or seven-year-olds or nine-year-olds or 11-year-olds. He's talking about older youth who have become drunkards. They're violent. They're vicious. Where does that start? It starts when they're two, three, four, five. If not properly addressed by the time they are teens or young adults, they're a disaster, an absolute disaster. We have, I don't know, 60, 70, 80 teenagers in this church. They're in Sunday school right now, some of them are. But I'm going to ask them in the second service, how many of you are glad, really, really thankful that you were not a part of Israel under the Old Testament law or you wouldn't be here today? Now, that might not apply to any of them. I don't know. But if you think mom and dad are tough, sinners in the hands of an angry God doesn't compare to mom and dad. God is holy. He is love. He's long-suffering. He's quick to forgive, but he is holy. He does not take rebellion lightly, and therefore we ought not either. So the admonition to children of all ages is you listen to the authorities that I've appointed, parents. You obey them by listening to them. And you need to have an awareness that your life is to be lived in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. That's the awareness. Now, there's another side to this issue. See verse 21? The admonition, obey your parents, that's ganus. But verse 21 starts with pateris, fathers. Now, it's in the masculine but, you know, it can accurately include mother and father. You say, well, how, how can that be? Well, it's translated that way in Hebrews eleven twenty three. 23. Moses was hid three months by his pateras, his parents. Plural, not multiple dads, but mom and dad. He said, how can that be? Why, why would he use that word? Because fathers are commissioned to be the spiritual leaders within the home. They're the ones with the primary responsibility. But the role of the wife as their helpmate is very significant. And this emphasizes that importance. Your mother should not have to say, wait till your father gets home. When mom says do something or don't do something, it carries the same authority as the pateras. The word provoke means to create anger, shame. To the point of exasperation, 
He's talking about parents who will, will nag in a way that creates resentment among their children. They're so overbearing in their rebuke of a child that every little mistake is just criticized to the point that a child is athumosin. <laughs> athumosin. He just quits. He stops trying. Gives up. He's exasperated. I can't do anything to please him. John Newton, that's where he was at. You, the John Newton I'm talking about is the one that wrote Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, that saved a wretch like me. You know what he said? He said, my father might have loved me, but he didn't seem to want me to know it. <laughs> he didn't want me to know it. Children are commanded, obey your parents in all things, everything. Domestically, clean your room, do your chores. Academically, do your homework. Morally, guard your eyes, guard your heart. Watch the company that you keep. Spiritually, learn to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But just as wives are to be submissive to their husbands in the context of unconditional love, not abuse, children are to obey their parents in all things in the context of that which pleases the Lord. Which means that parents are not to exercise authority with endless criticism. They are not to do it with emotional abuse. They don't do it with physical neglect. They are not harsh when they discipline. Because all of that completely demoralizes. It defeats a child's spirit. You know, Paul explains uh, when he writes the letter to the church there at, at Ephesus that's, that's nearby. Ephesians 6, verse 4. He said, don't provoke your children to anger. How? By bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's what you're to do. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So what has the Lord said in his word as to how this is to be done? Well, honestly, I don't have enough time to exhaust the matter. But let me give you just some primary principles to, to remember. Um, and, and it begins with just, just give your children... Give your children the same instruction with loving grace and correction that your Heavenly Father has given to you. Does the Lord chasten those He loves? Yes. So do you chasten your kids when they misbehave? Absolutely. If you love them, you do. Is the Lord quick to forgive in the presence of genuine repentance? Of course. Are you quick to forgive? Absolutely. Has He given us His word as a lamp unto our feet? Yes. So are you teaching his word to your children? Does he give us the Holy Spirit to enable us to walk in the light of his word? Yes. Then follow in the grace of our Heavenly Father with your children. Don't crush them with a bunch of dictates. Cultivate them with grace. You know, in the time that we have left, I don't, I, I, I don't want to give you a big long list of do's and, and don'ts. I, I don't necessarily find that to be helpful. All it would do is just crush our spirit, crush my spirit, when I think about the mistakes that I made. So let me just give you a few thoughts, most of which have come from mistakes that I have made, mistakes I've seen others make. Let me give you just a few thoughts to close. Number one, guard against correcting with anger instead of instruction. Hebrews 12, 6 says the Lord disciplines those he loves. But it also says that the Lord is slow to anger. Psalm 145. 
He is slow to anger. Children need correcting, but biblical discipline includes instruction with affection. I'm not doing this because you made me mad. I'm doing this because I love you too much to allow you to continue to behave in a way that's going to destroy your life. That's why I'm doing this. You know, the kid who gets in between dad and the channel changer and gets yelled at, gets busted upside the head, gets sent to his room so his dad doesn't miss the game, what kind of message does that send to the kid? It sends the message that this game means more important, is more important to me than you are. You don't get between me and the channel changer when that game is going on. See, that child is not being corrected for his good. He's being yelled at in anger that leaves him feeling unwanted. Children need correction. The way players need correcting on a football field. We, I just watched three of my grandsons play football yesterday. And so what happens when, when, uh, when someone breaks the rules? Referee just drops a flag, says, time out. You did wrong. Here's the penalty. Let's play on. Discipline should include instruction that results in positive change. Whereby screaming at them in anger sends a totally different message. And all that will do is discourage a kid. Just suck the life right out of him. Secondly, provide examples for your children that they can follow. <laughs> I don't want you to be disrespectful. Then why are you so disrespectful to my mother the way you talk to her? Well, that's a privilege of adulthood. Oh. And I want you to be a sober kid. I want you to be a kid of sobriety. Then why do you drink, Dad? Well, that's a, a privilege of adulthood. And I want you to be a moral kid. I better not catch you doing stuff that you ought not to be doing. Well, then why, Dad, are you doing those things? Oh, it's a privilege of adulthood. See, double standards exasperate children. Do what I say, not what I do. You know what happens? That kid can't wait till he becomes a teenager to prove that he's an adult and can act just like good old dad. Live by the standards you teach. Say, so what, what, what happens when I fail? Admit it. Admit it. Repent. Let your kids see that when they fail, this is how they respond. They admit it. And they repent because they will fail. They will fail just like we did. Let them see what you do when you fail. How you respond. How you repent. Thirdly, avoid constant fault finding and making comparisons. Why can't you be like your brother? He gets straight A's. Because I'm not my brother. So-and-so is such a good kid. Why are, why are you so difficult? Really? 
Maybe you'd rather have so-and-so be your kid. Recognize the unique kid the Lord has given to you. To you. Train up that kid in the way he should go. To train a child in the way that he should go means that you equip him to live in a way that pleases the Lord by understanding how the Lord has uniquely created him, uniquely gifted him. You don't try to mold him into being like Johnny. You're given the blessing of being the steward of his life for a really short period of time, and it goes by quickly. And how well we do is often seen in how well our children know the Lord and love Him and serve Him. So don't always be picking at Him because He's not like someone else. He is God's gift to you. So what are we to learn from this? Well, the best thing that we can do, whether we are husbands or wives or children or fathers or mothers, the best thing that we can do is to know the Lord as our Heavenly Father. 1 John 3 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us as His children. Do you see what great love He has lavished on us? In love, what does the Lord do for us? What's he do? He provides everything we need. Did you get up this morning and your heart was still working? Your lungs were still working? Your liver still working? Is he not providing the air that you breathe? Are plants still not giving off oxygen and still taking in carbon dioxide? Are the 122 things that must be perfect for this earth to have life exist all simultaneously? They all have to happen at the same time for life here on earth. Is the Lord still not providing for us? Does he chasten you because he loves you? Does he discipline us? Does he allow us to grow through various trials? Does he instruct us? Is he long-suffering with us? Does he forgive us when we repent? Does he show no partiality? Yes. He always does what is right. He always does what is best. So with the Lord as our Father, our new life in Christ witnesses how wives redeem the divine design he created for the home being submissive to their husbands who love them unconditionally. And to Tekna, the children, they obey them in all things as they are growing in ways that are pleasing to the Lord. And they're not provoked. They're not discouraged. But the whole family does everything, word and deed, in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God our Father through Christ our Savior. That's the ideal. Many of us have fallen short of that. But it remains our goal. It remains our goal. This is the direction we're headed, even though we have not yet arrived. You have any questions? You can go to the connect table. 
You need prayer? You can go to the prayer room over here just opposite the women's restroom. Need help? You're welcome to come to my study and I'll do what I can to help you learn from my mistakes and also to learn from God's word. Stand with me as we pray together. Lord, may the truth of your word reside in our hearts that our homes might be a testimony to a world that is seeking to destroy our young people by having them question their gender and their morality. By first denying your existence and then by denying your word and defying it. And into this world of spiritual darkness, Lord, may the light of your truth be seen in the lives of your people. As wives come alongside their husbands who are loving them unconditionally. And children are obeying their parents in all things that are pleasing to you. Father, may we be all that you have called us to be to the praise and to the glory of your holy name. For it is in Christ our Savior that we ask it. Amen.